and welcome to the Middletown podcast. My name is Aideen Rutledge and I am an occupational therapist with Middletown Centre for Autism. Today I am joined by Tanya Wynne, teacher from Castle Blaney College in Monaghan. I had the pleasure of working alongside Tanya in 2019 through Middletown's Learning Support and Assessment Service. Castle Blaney College is administered by Cavan Monaghan Education and Training Board. It is a co-educational, multi-denominational, second-level school. The college opened its first autism class in 2017 and then its second class in 2019. This school prides itself in providing a holistic education for its students. And I'm sure you will agree from listening to this podcast that it does just that. Tanya, you're so welcome. Thank you for joining me. Thank you very much, Aideen, for inviting me um, to talk to you today. It really is a privilege um, to be invited. Great. Tanya, can we start off with a question about you? How did you evolve into your current role? Um, I've always been passionate about helping people um, and specifically helping students who are educationally disadvantaged whether that be through having additional needs or otherwise. Um, I have a personal experience of autism um, and professional, and I know several autistic people who were never given the opportunities that our students have today. So it has been an area of interest for me. Um, So over the years, I worked in um, learning support and would have supported children uh, in the mainstream class. But while working in Castle College then um, on a part-time contract uh, as an English and history teacher, an opportunity arose then and I secured a position of special class teacher then the following year. Um, so that's how I got started in um, the autism classes. Um, so that year then, I really took the role very seriously. I wanted to do the best for my students um, and I applied for a postgraduate um, in autism education in St. Angela's College. Um, so that was, I think actually, Aiding, sorry, that might be the second year. The first year I did lots of Middletown courses and NCSE courses um, just to increase my understanding and knowledge of autism. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm here since um, I have finished my postgrad during the summer. Well um, done, Tanya. Thank you. Um, and so working in the special class, I love it. It's so different to mainstream, but it really is one of the most rewarding jobs that I've ever done. Um, I'm so lucky and fortunate that I found a career that I love and I loved working as a mainstream teacher too, but this is just a different kind of rewarding. Um, It's so fulfilling seeing the students meet their targets and seeing them progress. And regardless of how small that progression is, um, it's really rewarding. Um, Like there's nothing more rewarding than seeing your child that struggles to master a task finally doing it or a child that struggles with their autistic identity identity accepting it and being proud of who they are after me trying to instill that positivity in them for so long Um, so you know it it really is I'm very very fortunate um that I have the opportunity I suppose to pursue my passion yes and that motivation really rings through in your answer there Tanya and I can see how you've ended up in your current role 
Um, Casablini College have some lovely um, daily routines. Can you share some of these? Maybe starting off with um, the morning time, what you do when you all arrive into school. Okay. Um, So functional living skills, as we know, they're critical foundations for so many life outcomes. And our autistic students need to be specifically taught these functional skills that other people readily readily learn through their their interactions or from the environment. in the morning, we have our daily living skills class. Um, so every morning our students come into class um, and they cook a breakfast um, each morning. So th- there's a rota. The students get to choose their breakfast. They have to go shopping for their ingredients the, the evening before. And they cook their breakfast breakfast each morning until they can independently, with, of course, the use of, of visual aids, um, they can independently um, cook their breakfast. And do they um, get the ingredients at home with their parents or is it something you do in the, in the school previous day? How does how do they, they, get- they go shopping with their parents? Lovely. Yeah. In the evening. Yeah. At home. Yeah. Um, so while one is cooking breakfast, another could be setting the table and then somebody's job is to wash the dishes and somebody else dry the dishes. Um, so it's a really lovely class and it's so important for them. And it's our time in the morning to sit and connect and maybe go through the day. And if there's changes in the timetable to pre-warn them about these changes, because the mainstream school, Adina, yeah. and there's a lot of changes that can happen at very short notice. So that's our time in the day to set them up for the day. And then in addition to that, they're they're learning critical life skills. Yes. And I've been there, Tanya, when you've had your breakfast um, and everyone sits around a big round table and the staff sit down as well. And whether or not they're eating, they'll always have a cup of tea with the students. And it's a very natural exchange between the supporting adults and the students. Mm -hmm. And it's so important because, you know, relationship building is so important for these students and especially students coming in. And it might take them a long time to to trust the staff in the school or to build that relationship. Um, So that is so important uh, for the students, Aideen. And then in addition to that, you know, you have the the functional living skills and the importance that, that that plays in their life. You know, so there's a lot of targets being met in that class. Mm-hmm. And also, we all know that teenagers are constantly hungry. So you're starting off the day with a nutritious, <laughs> a nutritious meal um, and starting off the day on the best foot so that they're in a good place for learning then. Absolutely. Absolutely. Great. Um, just for the benefit of our listeners, your school's located in Casablini Town and you're within walking distance of a lot of amenities. Can you share some of your routines which encourage community participation for your students? Mm-hmm. Um, we are very fortunate that we live in the town and we are within walking distance to everything in the town. So we have a wide range of facilities on our doorstep and these help the students meet them functional living skills that, and their targets that, that we just spoke about. So we aim to get the students out into the community as much as possible. Our students have a very visible presence in the community. Um, so every day weather permitting we go for a walk around our local park and walking trail um, and this walk really helps with the students regulation sensory regulation as well and when we return to school they're in a calm alert state and they're ready to work and then once a week then while doing this walk they'll go to the local coffee dock 
down at yeah. the lake, they'll order their coffee or their tea or their hot chocolate or whatever they're ordering. Um, so that's that's a daily occurrence. Um, we rent a local allotment in the community gardens. Um, so the students are involved then in helping plant seeds and vegetables in the allotment and looking after it and digging and doing everything that that, that entails. Um, life skills there. More life skills, yeah, absolutely. So mm-hmm. when when the vegetables are ready, um, they gather them, come back to school and they cook it as part of their grow it, cook it, eat it module. Brilliant. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then um, we also visit the local library. Now, we haven't been able to do that uh, due to COVID, um, but every Friday we visited the local library. So they're eagerly awaiting the, the opening of the, the library. Um, and then every Friday afternoon, we're out in the community again. So we go to the local cafe for lunch. Afterwards, we go to shopping and super value, go to the butchers. They might go to the post office and pay bills, the log lodge money into the bank do messages for their parents so we would ask parents to send in maybe a little list of of things that they would like them to do in town that day um so that could be anything really the parents ask them to do um and so that's a friday afternoon and hopefully that's carry over then encouraging um, families to take up the that carry over generalization of skills into the home as well absolutely absolutely and you're also close to um, Loch Mokno. You're in with, within walking distance. And I remember being out with you and the class and watching one of your students um, just release energy in such a positive way by just running really fastly down the hill. You're so lucky to have that area um, literally on your doorstep and all the amenities that, that's involved with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you go there regularly? We go there every day, every single day. Um, so we will do the Mukno walk, as it's called, the Black Island. Um, and so any student, whether they want to release energy, as you said, by running, whether they want to sit at the lake and just, you know, regulate there and be calm, they get the opportunity. So each, I suppose, each student's style is being catered for on that walk. Lovely. And, Lovely. and their needs is being catered for on that walk. Great, Tanya. Mm-hmm. Tanya, from being in the school, I could see that the autism classes are embedded into your school community. How did you manage to achieve this? Um, when I started in the special class, um, you know, I I research an awful lot. Um, I would highly recommend that other teachers going down this path do the same um, and look up the principles of good practice. Um Professor Carmel Conn and Middletown Centre for Autism and the Autism Education Trust and the NCSE were a wealth of information and wealth of knowledge for me. Um, So I looked up best practice um, Mm -hmm. and the the standards there for the delivery of education provision for autistic students. Um, And I followed them, their indicators and their principles as closely as I could um, so one of their their the principles is relates to the ambitions and aspirations for autistic students in a school mm-hmm. and in our school every member of staff is fully committed to inclusion yeah and especially us in the special class we're so cognizant of the barriers to inclusion that our students face 
-hmm. So we work together as a team to remove these barriers to help our students achieve their full potential. Yeah. Um, another of the principles was the high expectations um, of our students, of students, and we would have high expectations of them and focus on a strengths-based model as opposed to a deficit-based model. Mm-hmm. Um, and I suppose overall we would find that this would lead to better outcomes for our students. Yeah. Um, I suppose on a practical level then, I would suggest that other schools, I suppose, in their designing of separate autism departments, um, they consider the layout of their classes. Um, It shouldn't be. Sorry. What about even the actual location of the class Mm -hmm. being in the main body of the school as opposed to in a separate building? I think that's really important and that's a real positive um, of Castle Mini College. Absolutely. Um, We... Our special class, as you know, they're, both classes are in the main school building. We're not a separate wing. So it's not seen as this, you know, separate section that you have to go through locked doors to get, um, you know. So definitely the location is very, very important. Um, mm-hmm. Each classroom as well in our school is known by its room number. Yeah. Um, so the two autism classes are, are the same. So we see the room 24 or room 28 or like other teachers classroom is either Miss Wynne's classroom or Mr. Connolly's classroom. There's yeah, so, no, yeah. So inclusive and also accessible for your students who are accessing mainstream classes that they can go back to um, room two. What is it? Room two, two, four, did you say? 24 or 28, yeah. 24, that they can go back to 24 and 28 very easily yes. um, throughout the day. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, you touched on it there, Tanya, but we know that the learning environment is a key part of ensuring best autism practice. Mm-hmm. Can you share some important considerations that you took into account when you set up the new classes? It's not that long ago since you set up the new classes. And I remember um, the second class I had visited the school and um, it was literally a blank canvas, a lovely big open space. And um, you just transformed it. So how did you go about this? What did you prioritize um, in order to accommodate individual pupil needs? Um, the learning environment is so important for for these students. It can either have a disabling or enabling effect. Um, yeah. So I suppose the mainstream environment as well can place a lot of demands in our students. So for our students that are maybe out of mainstream and coming back into the special class, um, it's very important that they have a predictable environment. Yes. Uh, so we were committed to improving that environment in our classroom to meet the needs of our students and to reduce as many of the barriers to learning as possible. Um, now, these barriers will differ depending on the students. So it, it's important for us that each student's style or need is ac- accommodated in the environment. Mm-hmm. So we would have followed um, teach autism guidelines. Yes. Um, they would state that, you know, a well-organized calm environment has clear structure and routines mm-hmm. and this environment makes it more predictable um, reduces distraction, confusion, anxiety for our students. Um, so our base classes are set up in a way that the students have a separate workstation area. So yes. at that area, they 
work from left to right at the workstation and that work could be independent or with a teacher in SNA. Um, there's a designated group area then um, where the students would come together maybe with staff and do group work, social skills, a variety of things. Yeah. Um, there is then a separate area, uh, cam corner we call it, and mm-hmm. um, so that students to go and just relax and chill out if they're if they're becoming a little bit uh, dysregulated. Yes. And then we have um, our sensory station mm-hmm. in addition to the CAM corner. So it's very clear in our classroom what purpose each area has. Perfect. Yes. Yes. Um, and Tanya, you've, you have one of the best CAM rooms, CAM areas um, that I have ever come across. Can you tell us about how you set that up? What practical um, elements are involved in that room? Our CAM room... Um, is so effective and really we did very little in it um it is a dark room painted really dark navy and with soft furnishings duvet there's a day bed in it blackout blinds um there's a projector lamp with stars little fiddly bits but it really is just a place for the students to go and relax and calm down and that place and to have a break from both sensory input and social input. It's really to empty their buckets and to be able to come back into the class refreshed, isn't it? It really is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that that was one so important for us that it wasn't this all singing and all dancing sensory room that may actually um, cause sensory overload, you know? Yes, yeah. And then on the other hand, you have... Um, you're creating a sensory room which will provide additional input for students who do require more mm-hmm. movement and more um, sensory stimula- stimulation. Can you yeah. tell us about that? This room serves a very different purpose aiding than the CAM room. So mm-hmm. this room is your typical, I suppose, in inverted commas, um, sensory room. It has the bubble tubes, um, it has the lights, um, it has an area for relaxing, but there is material and resources in there that will give students that additional proprioceptive input if they need it. So, yes. for example, your medicine balls or slam balls, um, there's crash mats and ladders, there's therabands, there's, you know, things for, for heavy lifting, um, weighted blankets and vests. And so all of this is, is in the sensory room. Yeah, so you're meeting the diversity of the sensory needs of all your autistic students because we all have different sensory preferences and needs. And so mm-hmm. you're not trying to have a one size fits all um, approach. That's brilliant. Yeah. Um, your school is a very welcome environment. It starts off at the front door with a lovely warm greeting and everyone seems to go the extra mile in being friendly and caring. You all seem to have that positive can do approach. Can you share some examples of how your autistic students play an important role and are valued within your school family? Yeah, we're very lucky that, you know, our staff is so important and it is such a warm, welcoming school when you come in to it. All our students are welcomed um, and encouraged to engage in a wide range of social and leisure activities in the school and in the community. Um, So we really would encourage them to get involved in everything um, and offer them a wide range of activities then to meet their needs or or to spark an interest in them. 
Yes. It's so important because, you know, it helps with relationship building with other students and with staff. Um, As we know, like building peer relationships is so important because peers can either be a barrier or a facilitator of learning. Mm -hmm. Um, So we encourage our students in our classes to get involved in everything in the school. They've started school talent shows. They've got involved in community projects fundraise for local charities um, they've set up their own mini enterprise at Christmas and linked in with local businesses um, visit the local just last week they were down and this week um, down at the local education centre the outdoor education centre and um, they get involved in everything and we encourage and um, them to try everything at least and then yes. the sense of pride that they get by by getting involved Yes. And by pushing themselves outside of their comfort zone, it really is heartening. Yeah. Um, then I suppose on another practical level, um, the student voice and the autistic student voice. So the, our student council, um, there is a representative from our special classes on the student council um, to give them a voice within the school. Yes. Uh, so I suppose overall, Aideen, we do encourage their their involvement and everything that plays an important role in our school community. The contribution that they make to our school community is just lovely. And since opening the classes, it's heartening to see mainstream students and their interactions with our students with autism Mm -hmm. and greater visibility and awareness of neurodiversity among the students. And they're so helpful, so kind they have become more and more understanding, more and more empathetic to our students. And, you know, I suppose it shows the importance of educating our students in their community because now they have regular opportunities to develop friendships with peers of their own age in their own community that they're going to meet when they walk down the street, you know. So that is really important. Of course. Tanya, you mentioned the student council there. Have you any other specific examples about how autistic students uh, play the role of a role model within your school or play an important role, such as maybe being a senior prefect or leading others? Yes. Um, so our students, uh, we have what's called a buddy system. Yeah. Um, so we could even have mainstream autistic students who act as a buddy to our mm-hmm. special class students or right. older older students who would act as a body to incoming first year students. Um, Pre-COVID as well, we would have had our students coming in or say mainstream autistic students coming into the special class for reverse integration and doing paired reading or group mm-hmm. reading with the group. Um, you know, so it's just giving them the independence as well and to feel mm-hmm. valued and feel important that Mm-hmm. we're doing something good yeah exactly mm-hmm. Tanya that concludes our podcast today hopefully our listeners will leave with some takeaway ideas to inspire their own school routines and cultures I want to thank you sincerely for today you're an inspirational teacher you carry out your role with passion but yet you exude an aura of calm and the students of Castle Blaney College are very lucky and thank you all to our listeners today mm-hmm.